0: And this week, actually, um, we're going to sort of dig into it from a different direction. Um, what we've looked at, um, there's sort of this impression that Christians get, or that folks have about Christians, that, that we're people who have to obey the law, and that's how we're right before God. And sort of the bulk of this series has looked at this topic of, like, can you be right before God by being good? And, and ultimately, the answer to that is no. Like, the thing that the law does for us is, it tells us what sin is, right? Like, not that we can obey it. As much as if we have the law, we know how well we're not doing. Um, and this week we're going to kind of look at, well, what, a, what do believers do with the law at all? And so we're going to dig into that, but actually I'm going to start with a story because I like stories. Um, earlier this year, I don't remember what month it was, I'm sure my wife remembers, um, I, I went to Reno and I took my daughter with me. Um, and so my daughter and I, we traveled to Reno and we survived it. She survived it, which is a miracle. Um, and, and, um, we were there for how many days was I gone, honey? Nine or 10. We were gone for like nine or 10 days for too many days. And, and that trip, um, like my dad had surgery, kind of emergency surgery. And we went down there to be with the family. And, and, um, while we were gone, uh, my wife and I talked on the phone every day. Is that about right? And we traded text messages. And I have, I've actually saved all these text messages because there are a bunch of them where, like, my wife um, sang songs to Abby to go to sleep at night. Because Abby, she insisted, well, mom's got to sing to me. And so I've got these videos of, of, uh, of Jess singing. And I'm going to show a couple of those in the slide. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, but like, like the, the, the recurring theme of these, of these phone calls and, and we Skype several times and, and whatnot was, I miss you so much. Is that right, honey? I, I you know, and, and I think she, <laughs> um, I, I, I think she missed Abby is actually what it was, but I, you know, in my, in my, in my imagination, she was at home with With a picture of me across the table at dinner time, <laughs> pining away um and and you know we we'd talk on the phone and she, "Well, I really miss you guys, I you know hope you come home soon and you know she'd she'd put a picture of Abby to bed at night you know because she really missed her um that happened right <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble later <laughs> um but, but at, at, at about the ninth day, it was time for us to come home, and I actually didn't tell her we were coming, um, and I, I tried to fake her out as best I could because I'm a terrible husband. Um, so so I, you know, I told her, we're going to leave in a couple days, and I, I called her, we were in the middle of, I think we were near Salt Lake City, and I called her in the morning, and I said, oh, we just got out of bed, and we're going to go to the store, and you know, we might leave tomorrow, i got to buy some stuff to take with us. And, you know, later in the day, I stopped in Great Falls, like at, at Sam's Club, to pick up some groceries, and I said, well, before I leave, you know, do you have a list of things you want me to pick up on the way home? You know, <laughs> and, and so, uh, and then I showed up, you know, at the, at the door just out of the blue. You know, I think I may have called you like 10 minutes before to say, well, maybe we'll wait another day, or, or something like that, and, and then all of a sudden, we're at the front door. I didn't have my keys, and she had locked the door, so we were actually locked out. Um, Laughter and I know she, she missed us because, like, instead of doing what she normally does, she didn't just slam the door and lock it again. It was, you know, she... she I, and this is accurate, right? She came out and she, she hugged us and kissed us and, oh, I missed you so much, mostly with Abby, you know, like, oh, honey, I missed you so much, and carried her around for a while. And Abby, like, hung on Jess, right? She missed, she missed her mom. That's pretty normal, right? Apparently, while we were gone... Titus would hear my voice on the phone and start saying, eh, which is what he says when he wants my attention, right? Eh, because it's Eric. Makes sense? Um, and, and, like, he looked for us. You know, he, he looked for us to be around. We weren't there, and Titus missed us. And so when Titus saw us, he does this thing. Anybody ever have a baby in, that you left, and you come back, and the moment they see you the first time, they light up? Isn't that the coolest thing? I mean, it's actually the best part. First, you get to be away from them for a while, and then, like, they're happy to see you, and it's a huge blessing. And um, <laughs> I'm a bad person. I'm sorry. Um, what my wife didn't do, right, when we got to the door, she did not open the door, see us, oh, I missed you so much, hug us, and then go back and sit down and look at the picture again, right? Would that have made sense? Well, no. Why would you have to look at pictures of us if we're right there? Um, and she didn't like drop to the ground and you know start paying attention to our shadow, right? Like it, because the shadow is not me. The shadow is not the kid, right? Um, if we're there, she appreciates our presence. Um, one of the things that we discover about the law, like like that the New Testament tells us, is God gave the law in the Old Testament, and the old, like the law is a shadow of what was to come, right? It was a picture of God's ultimate plan for us. It was not an end in itself. Um, If Jess sat at dinner every night, staring at my picture while I'm in the room, that would be even weirder, right? (laughs) Like, it wouldn't make any sense. Why would you look at pictures if the person's there? (laughs) (laughs) point for you um, <laughs> I, I got nothing um, <laughs> um, you know why why if you have the substance of something why would you look at something that isn't the substance right like if you can enjoy the presence and the relationship and everything else the the image or the shadow of that thing it just doesn't make sense like it's it's insufficient in comparison and so um, Jesus, when he was teaching about the law in the um, Sermon on the Mount, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but this actually... He says, listen, the law and the the prophets, all that stuff from before, none of that is going away. He says, I am not here to get rid of the law. That's forever and ever and ever, or until it's fulfilled, right? And actually, if you read the... the, um, the Greek, it actually says until forever or until it's fulfilled. And Jesus fulfilled it, right? So the law had a purpose. And the law was to point forward to Jesus. And when Jesus arrives, the law isn't necessary anymore, right? Like, um, we're going to be looking at Romans 10. Um, so if you have a Bible, you can follow along in your Bible or you can look at it on the screen. Um, Paul is writing. He's been writing about the law. The last two sermons have covered Romans 6, 7, and part of 8. We're jumping ahead to 10. Um, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Paul is talking about the Jewish people. Paul was a Jewish man who, like Jesus, was sort of a fulfillment of the Jewish faith, right? And so Jesus comes along. He is like, he fulfills the law. He obeys the law perfectly. And then Jesus is executed. And because he didn't deserve death, but suffered death anyway, his death is transferred as credit to our account. So, like, I deserve punishment for for the many, 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 many bad things I've done, and continue to do, and will do tomorrow probably, right? Like, I've earned punishment. But Jesus takes punishment on the cross. Um, and so Paul says, listen, the Jewish people, they rejected him. Um, And I continue to pray for the Jewish people. He prays that that his brethren will will, will, will be converted, will be saved. That's what Paul is looking for. And he talks about it frequently. And he says, For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God. Meaning, the Jewish people, they have a zeal for God. They're excited about God. But what are they excited about? They're not excited about Jesus, right? They're excited about the law. And they see the law as a way to get to God, but ultimately the law is not a way to God. The law only serves the purpose of telling me how good I'm not, right? Um, how good of a job I'm earning my way to heaven, not. You know, because, well, because it's just impossible, because I'm, I'm a sinner, and we're all sinners, and we're all great at sinning. It's like, a, you know, we, we would all make the pro team if that was the case. But, but um So so none of us are going to earn our way there. Um, And he says, listen, these guys have a zeal. They want to be close to God, but not in accordance with knowledge. Meaning, they're trying to get there, but they're not trying to get there in a way that makes sense. God reveals the way in Christ, right? But they're looking at the path Christ walked and saying, well, I can do that. And they can't. They've sort of picked their own route to God. You cannot pick your own route to God, right? We don't get to dictate to God. We don't get to tell him what he expects of us. Abby um, has gotten into this habit where she lectures me, right? She'll wag her finger at me. Uh, The other day she said, and you don't get mad and spank me anymore. You don't do that anymore. Do you think the rules have changed? Nope. (laughs) She can wag her finger and tell me what's what all she wants, It ain't changing a thing. It's my way or no way. right? And actually, not even my way or no way. It's just my way. (laughs) And if you don't like my way, we're going to keep discussing it until you do. That was a gentle way of saying that. (laughs) Um, And and she's three, so we we have frequent conversations about about the topic. Um, You can tell God all you want. This is how I want to be in relationship with you. This is how I want it to work. But ultimately, it's not going to end up that way. And that's what was happening here. They were saying, the law is how we're going to be right before you. I am going to earn my way to heaven, and that's what it is. And God, ultimately, it's not according to knowledge. It's foolish. He says, only in Christ. And so we jump forward. Three, for not knowing about God's righteousness, which is Jesus, right? We can only be righteous. Righteous means to be in right relationship with God, right? Um, not knowing about God's righteousness, which is the righteousness we get for being in Jesus, for our forgiveness that we receive through Christ's death, um, seeking to establish their own, meaning their own righteousness. How are they establishing their own righteousness? They're trying to obey the law, right? It's not going to work. Um, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God, meaning they didn't come under Christ. So if they're unwilling to come under Christ, they will never achieve righteousness. And Paul is sorrowful about this. And he's praying for them. And he goes on, and here's the important line. For Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone who believes. Um, of the law of righteousness for, to everyone uh, who believes. What's he talking about? He's saying, listen, when Jesus comes along, the law, like, that Old Covenant ceases to be, right? We no longer earn our way to heaven, right? I am no longer judged by how well I keep the commandments. Everybody with me? Um, When John stands before God, John will not be judged according to how well he, he obeyed the law. God will not break out a giant scale and say, Oh, here's the bad stuff on this side, and here's the good stuff on this side. And it sort of gets really close, and John is like... Well, darn it. And all of a sudden, like, the bad side gets a little bigger and the slide opens and he goes right to hell because he sinned a little more than he did good. That's not how it's going to work. Um, lucky you. Um, we will not be judged according to that. We'll be judged according to Christ. Not according to the law, because the law is gone. The law is a shadow of what was to come. What was to come was a man who obeyed the law perfectly and, and you know, demonstrated an ability. So when we look at the law and we measure ourselves by it, we fail, right? And especially if we start reading how people interpret the law, like we get interpretation of the law, like from Jesus, he gives us, read the Sermon on the Mount, right? It says, do not commit adultery, but, Jesus says, I tell you that if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Guess what? (laughs) Like, that's impossible. Can I get an amen from the guys? Like, (laughs) If you had to go your whole life having never, ever checked out a woman and said, Wow, she's not my wife, but, you know, like, you're in trouble. You cannot do it. Um, it talks about being angry at people as being a violation of the murder clause. Man, I thought the murder one would be easy. But, man, getting mad at people, I think I've covered that twice already today. Um, thanks. And some of y'all are mad at me for talking so much. Um <laughs> That's a sin. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, Romans 10, 9 to 10. We're going to jump forward a couple verses. And Paul explains this. I included this because it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I know I say that a lot. What if you... I, hey, it, it, I like the whole thing. Leave me alone. Um, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Does this involve following the Ten Commandments? No. In fact, what do you have to do? You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, right? This is a little trickier because Jesus is Lord is something that's easy to say, but I suspect that, like connecting it mouth and heart, it actually has to mean something. I can say anything, right? You know, I can say, honey, my breakfast today was the best breakfast I've ever had, and it was very good. (laughs) I love you. Um, I can say that all I want whether I believe it or not is a different story and I do believe it because it was great um, I started saying that and I thought man that was a bad decision um, saying that Jesus is Lord means Jesus is in charge of my life so it's something you have to say out of a belief in the heart Jesus you are in charge of me I am under you I fall like like you know in line and I'll live for you you are my you are my master basically my Lord right And so he says, listen, it's believe and confess. That's what you have to do to be saved. Um, For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, meaning right relationship with God. So we believe in Christ, we have faith in him, that results in right relationship. And with our mouth we confess, resulting in salvation, meaning I believe it, I say it, I live it, that's it. Um, Now, this raises a question what the heck are we supposed to do with the law, right? Because that is a big chunk of the Old Testament. And we see Christians who struggle with this, I think. Um, Have you all ever seen folks who walk around with signs, like maybe pictures of them, where it's like God hates you because... Right? Um, Or if God really loves me, I can do whatever I want, is sort of the other extreme, right? Like, Like God won't judge me, he loves me, he forgives me for anything, and so now I can... Go out and have a party. Well, you end up with this awful balance where some folks will take the law, this burden, right? This standard for understanding sin and say, if you don't follow it, you're going to hell. Because you're breaking the law. You're sinning. Or the other extreme where they say, I'm forgiven and I'll do as I please. Um, And neither is right. Here's sort of the ideas here. Believers are no, no longer aimed to be right before God through the law. I've said it several times. The whole series is about this. You will never be right before God through the law. Um, do we ignore it? No. It means we approach it from a different perspective. Everybody with me? My wife does not like receiving flowers. She doesn't. I bring her flowers anyway. Right? Why do I bring my wife flowers? Because it makes me feel better. Because it's easier to apologize that way. I, I, <laughs> I'll have to buy some on the way home today. Um, <laughs> I, I give her flowers because I love her. Right? Because I'm in the grocery store, and they've got that little bucket over there. And I look, and I say, I think my wife would really like flowers. Right? Or they have that candy thing. And I think, wow, my wife would really like some chocolates. And I'll bring her some chocolates. And she yells at me for that, and then eats them. Okay. Um, <laughs> New topic. Um, I do things because I love her, right? The law tells you, do this or else, right? We're free from the law. We're forgiven. We're righteous before God through our relationship with Jesus. Now we're in relationship with God. And so we begin to ask ourselves, how do I be in relationship with God? Well... I've got to be right before him. I want to be right before my wife. And so that's why I feel bad that I can't shut up about her this morning. Like, like I, I, I know it's bad. Can I sleep on your floor, Irving? Is that all right? Thanks. Um, I, I want to be right before God. I want, to be, oh, thanks, man. Um, I want to be in right relationship with him. And so I can look and say, well, what does the law tell me? Well, the law gives me some basics for what being in relationship with God is about, right? Um, I would compare it maybe to uh, our wedding vows. You know, where the wedding vows set the standard for how to be right before God. And so when I look, I say, well, I want to obey these. Why? Because they tell me what what works best. Um, there's sort of this agreement that, like, I don't date other people, right? I, my face does most of the work for me in that regard, but but we, we have an agreement about that, that, right? Like, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because... I have to? Well, no, because I don't want to. Um, The law steps in and tells us what it means to be in relationship with God. Sin ultimately lives in you. Sin only is displayed through the law. That was like the first or second sermon in the series. They're online. You can listen to them. Um, But sin, like ultimately what sin does is it rebels against God. Sin is anything that is turned away from and in rebellion against God. And so like violation of the law is just because, hey, look, the law's there. I'm going to do the opposite. If I'm righteous, if I'm right with God, if I'm pointed in direction of him and not in rebellion against him, I'm going to look for ways to enhance that. The law becomes guidelines. It becomes a huge help in that regard. And so when believers read the law, we can look at it and say this is how I can be right before God. I I sometimes have to sit down and ask my wife, what can I do to show you I love you? You know, because she speaks a different love language than me. And so, like, gifts, I love gifts, right? Like, like I came from a family that does gifts. My wife isn't so big on gifts. My wife is big on, like, acts of service. And so, like, cleaning the house is, like, how I show her I love her. Which is very low on my list of, it. anyway. Um, but, but the law gives us the love language, right? How do you act right before God? Well, um, we follow the law. Because we have to know, because we love God. Um, there, reading the law becomes complicated then. Because you can look at the Old Testament and you can say, well, there's a law against eating pork. Do I obey that? Well, if I read it as just a rule, yes, right? Right? But if I back up and ask, what does that rule tell me about who God is? Then it's a different conversation, right? There, we're going to talk for the next three weeks about how to understand the Old Testament law, right? Just how to read it and how to know God through it. Because there's some cool stuff in it. There's some really cool stuff in it, um, We're going to divide it up into three sections. The Bible does not make these distinctions. This is how um, folks who read the law tend to understand it for interpretive reasons. Everybody with me? There's the moral law, which is like the Ten Commandments. You know, we all sort of know them, right? Right? You know, don't cheat on your wife, don't blaspheme, don't have any other gods. Um, There's also laws regarding like sexual lives and how we're supposed to live. We'll talk about that a little bit here. Uh, There's a ceremonial law, which is all like how do you do sacrifices properly? We don't sacrifice pigeons, right? Most of us? I don't know. I don't follow Jimmy around all the time. You never know. Um, But most of us don't sacrifice animals. Why don't we do that anymore? Well, um, because it had a purpose. And we'll talk about that actually next week. And then in, uh, when I'm back from vacation, we're going to look at the civic laws. Why don't we stone people for being rude to their parents? Yeah, because <laughs> my kids would be dead already. Why don't we follow those laws? <laughs> well, there's reasons we don't follow them. And we'll talk about that as well. Because and I'll tell you specifically, those were civic laws that applied to the nation of Israel at that time and place in history, Right? And we'll talk about that in three weeks. So, um, this week we're going to touch on, on the moral law. First off, it's exemplified in the Ten Commandments, right? Are you all familiar with them? They're Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, if you want to read them. Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. It's the first four, you can divide them up in half, right? The first four relate to God. And Jesus summarized them saying, Yeah, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength right? And so when we look at the law, it's not don't do this, don't do that. It's how do I obey God? How do I have a relationship with God? Well, I've got to love him. And I've got to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? It's not I'm going to love him one day a week. It's not, I'm going to love him when it's convenient. I'm going to love him when he gives me what I want, but if he's not giving me what I want, then I've got a problem. I'm going to love him when I like the parts of the book that I'm reading, but if I come across parts I don't like, well, forget that, Um, God only gets me to love him when he plays my game. It's not like that. It's God is God, and we love him no matter what. Um, and if you look at the commandments, it's pretty straightforward, right? It's take a day off every week to spend with him. That seems reasonable, right? Um don't say God said stuff that he didn't say. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. If I were to stand up and say, God told me that you people have to give me a hot tub by the end of the month, or he'll kill all of you, I'm probably saying something that God didn't really say, right? Probably. Don't risk it. But I mean, <laughs> that, that would be taking the Lord's name in vain. Or using his name to swear, right? Like that's kind of the general understanding, but it really is associated with, hey, you know what? God said, so these guys, by the way, who hold up signs to say God hates all of you, probably not, right? God hates sin. Um, God loves his creation. Loved it so much he sent his son to die for us. So those first four commandments all about loving God. We don't worship stuff that isn't God. We don't, you know, this is what it means to love God. The next six are, how do we, what is it? Love your neighbor as yourself. So the commandments can be summarized into have a right relationship with God and have a right relationship with the folks around you. Right? And those are pretty obvious. Don't want stuff that belongs to your neighbor. If I hang out in the yard and watch the neighbor's wife drooling a little bit, I'm, I'm breaking a rule. The adultery one and wanting something that doesn't belong to me. Right? Um, if I spend my life like um, lying about the people around me or gossiping or what have you, I'm breaking a rule. Um, is it breaking a rule? No, it's being in wrong relationship with the folks around me. Jesus died so we can be in right relationship with God, so we can be forgiven for our sins and overcome it. We overcome it by right relationship with God and right relationship with our neighbor. Easy enough. Everybody with me? Um, So what do we do? First, um, there are interpretive guides in the New Testament. If you read Jesus' teachings, he tells us all sorts of stuff about the Ten Commandments. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, actually. You know, read them at home, they're great. Um, but it tells us how to read, or how to read the, the, the commandments and how to follow them properly. How to follow them in a way that's like about having a relationship with God. So, you know, like folks at the time, for example, he talks about divorce. Divorce is one of those things that's sort of really frowned on in the Old Testament. You could get a divorce if your spouse cheated on you, right? Um, But the Jews at the time had come up with this whole discussion where they're like, well, what are reasons I can actually get a divorce? And they said, well, you know, the line says adultery or if your wife displeases you. So, what if she burns the toast in the morning? And the Pharisees actually had agreed, if your wife burns the toast in the morning, you could divorce her. At the time, women couldn't own property, they couldn't have jobs, it was hard for them to have multiple marriages. A single marriage was very common. Like, after that, it was very hard to get remarried, which means you divorce a woman, you put her in an economically destitute position. Right? And so Jesus comes along, he says, well, wait a minute, am I not supposed to do, you know, you guys talk about divorce, I'm going to tell you, don't kick your wife to the curb because she burnt the toast. Don't do it. He didn't say it in so many words, but that's the point. Like, if you marry someone and you say before God that you're going to be married to him, stay married. Um, It's about living according to the spirit of right relationship with God and our neighbors, right? Not about obeying the law to the minutiae. Recognize the purpose of the law. The law is always there to draw us into relationship with God and better relationship with each other, right? There are things that, that the scriptures say are sinful that we can recognize other people are doing, like, and it's sinful, right? Um, if I then use the law as a club to like beat them into the ground, that's not necessarily all that loving, right? Um, we do this a lot because I've done work in recovery for a number of years with people who are doing like AA or what have you, and there's sometimes this tendency to beat people up with it, right? And ultimately, you've got to walk with them. You've got to love them. You've got to care about them, because that's how you help people. Sometimes it means being tough. Don't get me wrong, but that's part of loving. Um, the law exists to draw us close to God and close to each other, um, to help us be right in our lifestyle before God and to help us be right in our relationship with each other. This is the purpose of the law. It teaches us how to be holy people. Um, The most important measure for understanding the law is that, that law of love, right? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everybody got that? Confused? It ain't even tough, right? Um, these are the interpretive guidelines. Paul talks about it frequently, too. He'll say, hey, if you're going out and getting drunk every night and going to wild parties and orgies and stuff like that, you are not right before God. (laughs) Like, this is, this is something that's outside of the relationship with God, right? Um, so Paul gives us some interpretive guidelines, and ultimately it comes down to that. Um, mind you, loving God is first on the list. It's first because it gets priority. Um, We kind of worked through that. What does this have to do with us? What this has to do with us is, it has to do with how we perceive obedience, right? How we perceive obedience. Um, I I worked for two different guys in in the first ten years of my career. The first guy I worked for threatened to fire me three times a week. Um, My office was messy because I'm a messy person. He came into my office sometimes, like probably twice a month, and tossed it. and and belittled me for being disorganized, right? I hated going to work. I hated talking to that guy. Actually, he's a good friend of mine now, but, like, I was terrified every time I went to a meeting because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Um, In the end, he said, the only reason I haven't fired you is because you're so good at your job, but if I could, I'd fire you right now. (laughs) Um, That's tough. Did I do stuff for that guy because I wanted to? I did it because I didn't want to get fired. <laughs> I did it because I didn't want to get chewed out, right? Um there's a, a movie, uh Office Space. It's a horrible movie. You should never see it. Um but there's a great line in it where the, the one of the manager or one of the employees is being talked to by a by a, a couple of guys who are assessing job performance and they're like like, well, tell us about your job. And he's like, well, I've got to fill out this form nine times every time I have any kind of issue. And really, the main reason I do it is because I don't want people to come and yell at me. And I'm only going to work so hard to keep from getting yelled at. Isn't it the truth? If we approach God from the position of the law is how I earn my way there, I have to do this or God's going to get ticked off at me and step on me, you will not not be in right relationship, right? It screws it up. You'll live in fear. You'll live in shame and guilt because you can't keep the law. Because you know what? You can't. I can't. None of you can. Even the best people in the room can't. Um, the alternate way of looking at it is the second, actually, well, third or fourth boss I had from him was a guy that, um, he, was, he was great. He challenged me to do better when I didn't do something well. Um, when I did something wrong, I remember I, I did something kind of lazy, and he sat down with me and he said, did you do the best you could by this agency and the children? No. Is that what you want to be? Guess how hard I worked for that guy. Man, I worked extra days. I found jobs I could do because I wanted to do the right thing by that guy. He never yelled at me. I worked for that guy for seven years. He didn't yell at me once. I actually didn't show up to a training once that they had paid quite a bit of money for me to go to. I just forgot about it. I totally forgot. I should have been reprimanded and suspended and several other things. Um, He sat down with me and said, well, you know you screwed up, right? Yeah. How are you going to make it right? That was it. Why? Because I wasn't being lazy. I just forgot and he was trying to make me better. If we approach God from the perspective of this and look at the law and say, this is how I have a right relationship with God, I want to do that stuff, right? I want to live right before God because Jesus died for me. Because Jesus is my Lord. He's like in charge of my life. I love him. I would pretty much do anything for him. If he asked me to do something I don't want to do, I'm going to do it anyway because I love him. That's why I change diapers at 2 in the morning, Right? I got up the other night, it was, it was I don't know what time it was, and I made a bottle of milk and I sat on the couch and I kept falling asleep while I was feeding Titus. Did I resent him? Nope. Still love him. Did I resent my wife for not getting out of bed? Nope. No, I did not. <laughs> I did stand up and walk around so I wouldn't fall asleep. Um, but, but I do that because I love him. How many of y'all are parents and do things because you love your kids? How many of y'all have jobs that you do right and perfectly because you love your work? Um, Or art that you do because you love what you're doing? Our relationship with God is guided by the law. Um, Not necessarily the letter of the law, but how to have right relationship with God. Um, My challenge for you this week is to take the law, to look at it and to say, how do I be in relationship with God according to this? How do I take this and apply to my heart, like, the right attitude and love I'm supposed to have toward God and guide my behavior, right? Because if I look and say, well, I know that's what you want, but you know what? You're not getting it. I'm going to, you know, continue to do this because this is what I want to do, right? You will not be right before God. Um, We're going to close in prayer. I don't think we have a last song, do we? Oh, we do? Nope, he's out there taking care of his kids. We should. All right, everybody yell Kaylin. (laughs) Usually if Jess says, yeah, we should do it, it means it applies to the sermon. Let's close in a very long prayer, and and we'll finish with the song. Uh, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would touch our hearts today, and as we approach the law, as we approach the the guidelines you've given us to, to have a relationship with you, um, you who are so different from us, who are so separate, like sometimes it seems like unknowable, um, Lord God, that, that you've given us a way to know how, a way to know how to be in right relationship and right connection with you, Lord. Help us to seek you out just with the morality of our lives, with our ethics, with our, our way of being, with our, our bodies, our hearts, our souls, and our minds, Lord. Help us to seek ways to be right before you. Um, And help us to delight in it. Help us to delight in the opportunity to draw closer to you and be intimate with you. In Christ's name, amen.